Wow, that's refreshing, is it not? Especially in the light of what happened this week in Florida. And you just wonder, oh God, what's happening with our generation and our world? Well, I tell you what, that's what's happening over here with our generation, our world. Amen. You know, and it's not only I this. I just love this church. I, I often say I would come here even if I wasn't pastor. Um, I um, I always want to be a part of a body that's pouring into the younger generation. And, and not only what you just saw there from student ministry, but I was thinking as we were worshiping here this morning and there were. I think seven people in the band up here, and they were just all millennials, well, except for Ron Meekham. He was anchoring my generation in the back. But, um, you know, and God's enabling us as a church to reach the 20-somethings, to reach middle schoolers, to reach high schoolers. Thank you. Continue to pray. Continue to pour out your hearts. Continue to love um, on the generation. Because I tell you what, when I think back through my generation and growing up, and yeah, there were some issues here and there and school problems there and that. It, it's a whole different world that they're facing today, especially with social media and some of it, like even just some of this lie stuff that you guys talked about. I can't comprehend social media and being in high school, you know, because it's like just the words getting around this and that and how people sort of undermine other people. And I don't know. There's just a lot that we have to pray for with this generation. So thanks. We're going to step into God's word. We're in a series in the book of Philippians. It's a letter that the apostle Paul wrote while he was in prison, and he wrote it to some Christians in a city named Philippi, which is north edge of the Aegean Sea. And he, time and again, 19 times, mentions the word joy, rejoice, glad. He's in prison. But his hashtag is joy in Christ. And we've said in this series that um, when our joy is based on circumstances, it's fleeting. But when it's founded on Christ, it has strength and a foundation to last. How are you doing this week with your joy in Christ? We did a little bit of open mic last week of hashtag joy in Christ. And I got to my life group and they're like, hey, I didn't get to do my joy in Christ. Let me mention my joy in Christ. And so uh, you can continue to hashtag that on your social media or maybe we'll have another open mic as we continue to move through in this series. But how is God working in your life to bring you joy? And it's not always happiness because joy is different than happiness as we're learning, right? It's a deep-seated peace that God is at work and God is sustaining and strengthening you in all things. And so your joy in Christ this week may be that something really not so fun Maybe something traumatic even happened, but in it you find the joy in Christ as the Apostle Paul is exhorting us. We are in chapter 2. If you have your scriptures, you can turn to those. If you do um, scripture on a smartphone, you can take it there as well. But uh, we have in chapter 2 this exhortation of the Apostle Paul concerning how we're to act one with another in the body of Christ because there was some skirmish, some schisms going on, some gossip, some backbiting maybe happening. And he says, this is just not very becoming to us as Christ followers. And he says, it's impacting your witness to other people. And then he, he lays out, as we looked at last week, this incredible section referring that our attitudes, our life should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing 
taking on the very nature of being made in human likeness and taking on the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven on earth and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. That was a great worship section, wasn't it? That's our attitude. That's how we should be, not only in our exaltation and honoring of Christ, but our reflection on our lifestyle as it relates to the model that Jesus gave us. And so we pick it up from there. And the next word is therefore. And you always have to ask yourself, why is it? What is it there for? Whenever you see it, therefore, right? And so he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm trying to get this thing on my head right. Is this good? I think it's hissing. Yeah. And so. The therefore is therefore says because of all that Jesus Christ had done. Giving his life for us and because he's now exalted and because we are filled with hope and joy. Therefore, my dear friends, and whenever you see a dear friends from the Apostle Paul, I think all of us are going to be friends of Paul someday. You think about that? I'm going to sit down with Paul. We're going to have a little interview with Paul like that someday, like we had with the, the students. And he would say to us, dear friends. Therefore, my dear friends at the Awakening Church, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Do you want me to go to a handheld? Okay, I thought it was ringing up here. They'll get it. They're good. Because of Christ and what he has done, not because I'm away, but even much more in my absence, Paul says, you need to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is one of those passages that can be taken wrong real fast. Notice, it says continue to work out your salvation. It does not say work on your salvation. The word here, salvation, is different than the word, ready for some theology, justification. All of us are sinful people. There is no way that we can have entrance into God's eternal kingdom and his heaven if we're carrying sin. And we need to have our condition changed. But there's nothing we can do to change that condition. There's nothing you've ever done to change your condition before Christ. It's what Christ has done, not what you do. Some of us come through a religious background that really majored on doing a bunch of stuff. Do this, don't do that. Load up a big pile of works. And if you have the works that are heavy enough to balance the scales, then God says, okay, you're in, you're good. That's called works righteousness or works justification. If you're going to be justified as being pure and right before God, there's nothing you can do, but it's what Christ did on the cross. Therefore, but this word is not justification. This does not mean you are saved by working out a salvation. 
Paul's referencing the word salvation in the grander sense, and he uses this throughout his epistles. Salvation unto the end times or unto the whole big picture. He's not dealing with your condition as you stand before God. See, you have to be justified, forgiven of your sins when you stand before God to get into his heaven because if he lets you into his heaven with sin and corruption and disobedience and double-mindedness and apathy and indifference and immorality, all sort of cluttered and filthy on you, some of those lies kind of things that are, end up being true of your, your very character of what you used to be before Christ, then if you got into heaven, it would not be heaven. God's eternal realm is perfect. There's only one kind of person that can enter into heaven, and that's a perfect person. There is no one that has ever lived on this earth outside of Jesus Christ, who was God himself come in the flesh, who has been perfect. But his perfectness becomes your perfectness when you choose to let him to come into your life and be justified. All right? So this is really good news for us. You see, it's not the aspect of working on your salvation. It's the same thing as Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I need to speak to somebody here this morning. Maybe it's you. Are you trying to work on your justification by good works? Have you been sitting in church for years and you've never had it get through to you that you are saved by grace through faith? It's Christ and what he's done, not what you do. It's his justification that comes and justifies you perfectly before God. It's his righteousness that becomes your righteousness, your right standing. There's nothing you can do. We had a good men's breakfast yesterday. There was about 25 of us gathered here. And uh, Francesco uh, came and spoke. Mike Bartel is a really good friend of his. Francesco is the owner of Rustico's Restaurant. How many have been to Rustico's? Right around the corner, right? And great guy. And he gave his testimony. He came to faith on the 9-11 when he saw the towers fall. His whole life was like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean for me? What about my eternal life? What does this mean for my present life, for my family? He had been sitting in a church for five years, a good gospel preaching, evangelical church. But he had never crossed the line of being justified by faith, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Am I speaking to you this morning? Do you think just because sometimes I kid this, I used to say this in youth ministry, you don't become a Christian anymore by sitting in church than you become a Big Mac by sitting in McDonald's. <laughs> you just don't. And you have to come to a place in your life where you choose to surrender, repent, and turn to him. And even in doing that, it's not you doing it. It is by grace through faith, not by works. So Paul is not negating that when he then says in Philippians um, chapter 2, 12, 13, that you need to continue to work out your salvation. You cannot work out being saved before Christ. But what he's saying here, and you can catch it here in the next phrase, and, and, and he sort of comes back and hedges himself saying, I just don't want you to be confused on this, all right? He says, 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. It's God who is working in you, all right? But he is working through you. And once you receive justification, then you need to work out your salvation into the ultimate salvation of end times because God is changing you. And like I said, after we sang that song about a fire down in my soul, God is a refiner's fire and he's changing you. And if you really want God and his presence put into your life, then watch out. He's going to burn up a bunch of stuff and he's going to make your life so hot that it's moldable and some things happen in our life don't they they just break us and we're like god whatever whatever and god says finally you're hot you're i'm going to be able to forge you into my likeness because the god who saved you continues to work through you to not only uh, bring you into a fuller redemption but to bring you into a greater christ likeness Work out the salvation God works in your life. That's a key way to put it. It's God who works in your life, justification. Nothing you can do except repent and turn to him and say, I want your righteousness and perfectness in me. But having done that, don't sit on your tush. Don't sit around like I used to remember some Christians in my early days. They were so caught up in the ultimate salvation of God's end times. And I like end time stuff. You've heard me preach on it around here. You know, eschatology is the big word. What's going to happen as, as the future plays out, right? But it was like, oh, well, I'm saved. But now I can just go on doing what I did. And I'm going to wait for Jesus to come wait for the rapture. I'm like, that's it? You just sort of get saved? And then you wait for jesus to come or to die and go to heaven friends that is not what the kingdom of god is about the kingdom of god is the rule and reign of god it comes within you and he forges it like a refiner's fire and he's making you into his likeness and friends it's not something you don't want to become this is a lie that i had if i was sitting around the fire pit at camp this last weekend what's the lie i had to throw in the lie i'd have to throw in is that if i gave my life completely to jesus he was going to ruin my fun that was my lie because I had better ways to have fun than what God was going to do in my life. That's a lie. God's not out to steal and kill and destroy. He's out to give us life and give it to the full, as it says in John 10.10. And so throw that lie away. When he's the refiner's fire and he's working out, he's helping you work out that salvation, he's working in you, it's moving you in a pathway that's beautiful. It's, it's something you want to embrace. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you're going to become a person that, that is not honoring to God, but is a beautiful person to live with, with those who are around us. Work out your salvation. Fear and trembling. That's not like, oh, God's going to beat me up. It's in a reverent fear and mindfulness that God has taken you wherever you're at. I don't care how long you've been sitting in church, how long you've been a Christ follower, or how long you may be trying to figure out what the God thing is and what part it needs to be in your life. If you're a seeker this morning, God is not out to destroy you. He's out to work out beautiful things. But you participate with him in the process. 
just by you being here this morning shows me you're wanting to work out your salvation. You're here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You're here to connect and live in community with one another, warts and all, because we're a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace, right? And sometimes we don't do right with one another, but we have to ask apologies, make amends, and we move forward, but we're there to support one another, cheer one another, want encourage one another, rejoice with one another, mourn with one another, weep with one another. You are choosing to be a part of the body of Christ this morning and to worship Him and to hear from God's Word and let that Word come into your life and change you, a refiner's fire. So you're working out your salvation, but it's not just here on Sunday morning. Guess what? Tomorrow at work? you got to keep working out your salvation. When you get a little antsy about what they just did to you or didn't do to you, when you're tired and you're grumpy at work, you're going to have to choose to let Jesus work out that salvation that he's working in you in that moment. So work out the salvation God works in your life. To will and to act according to his good purpose. This is something important to take on. Any of you um, feel inadequate to do what you think God's calling you to do? Any of you had a vision of something you think God wants you to do with your life, but you feel like you're so short of that personally being able to accomplish it? Maybe resources? Any of you in that category? God's given you a passion and a vision, but you're like, this is an encouragement to you today. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. He is going to give you the desire, and then he's going to give you the works or the will, I mean the actions, the ability to accomplish it. What God demands, he supplies. You ever heard that phrase before? What God demands, he supplies. It comes right sort of from this passage here a little bit. If God's calling you to do something with your life, he is going to bring the provision to see it happen. You know, it's interesting. I, um, uh, not only uh, is uh, mommies, as Melissa had the announcement this morning with the preschoolers, moms of preschoolers, preschoolers being able to go to the little red barn and, and have that fun. But this last week we had um, a good group of you took advantage of the love to play on Valentine's Day, and you dropped your kids off at that love-to-play place that's down by Inez, Kmart area there somewhere, and you all went out and had a great Valentine's dinner. Did you have a good Valentine's Day this week? There you go. That was, that was a nice experience. I was glad that, you know, church partnered with that. We built a good relationship with the owners with the, uh, the love-to-play. I may have gotten that slide wrong today with the date when I did it up, but when I was doing up that slide this morning... I was frustrated. You know why? Because I want to do that. I don't want to do the, the play date and take a preschooler to something like that. Trust me, I don't. I don't need to barge in on you moms and your conversations. Trust me, I, I really have no desire for that. I want a community center. I want a community center that not only reaches little kids and young kids, but reaches students and as a place for um, adults to hang out. And I'm thinking to myself, they put that little red barn and one little suite in some little retail strip. And I'm thinking, I want to do that. 
we had to give up half the space in the building next door. And I'm like, we could put it right back in that space. We could run that little red barn here because that's sort of far to me. I'm like, Melissa, are you sure? You know, Scott Road. And I mean, it's not far for some of you, I know. But I'm like, see, I've walked through this vision before of God giving us at a prior church a community center. And it was a significant community center. In fact, I think our playground topped the love for you playground that I saw on Wednesday. Um, love to play. And uh, we had basketball courts and volleyball courts and, and, and great commercial kitchen. And I'm not saying that's what God has for us here. But there's something about becoming a place to traffic people that you can hang with. You can build relationships and you can use it as a base of operations during the week. I have no interest in building a big church building that's used one out of seven days a week. That's not going to be me. That's not going to be us. Someday, God, by his grace, if, if it's his will, um, he is going to uh, help me act, help us act on that will, that desire for us to have a base of operation community center. Maybe it starts something small, like a little red barn, a little sweet, and then we um, interact with people. I don't know why I went off on this whole tangent today, but it's this, <laughs> it's this idea that if you've got something in your heart, and you're like, well, forget it. It's never going to happen. Then hold on. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? This is not about me. It's not about my ability. It's about God. What God demands, he's going to supply. So I submit my plans that I think are ordained of him to him. And I've had God wipe them off the map before going like, you really misread that one, Carrie. I'm sorry. You're over here. In fact, that's why I'm in California rather than back in the Midwest. I think God said, you did it back in the Midwest. Very good. Now I want to move you to another state that's a little bit harder. And you do it there. And so that's why I'm here. Has God given you a vision? Has God called you to do something and you're weak this morning because you're like, I don't have the resources or the means? It's God who works in you. He's going to work in you. He's working through you to will, to give you the desire and to act to work on your behalf according to his good purposes. What God demands, he supplies. Don't let go of the vision and dream. Whether it's a vision and dream for your life or your family or longing to have a family or whether it's a vision to be able to accomplish something for him or maybe it's just to lead out in your business and your marketplace and, and honor God really well with your business. God's for you. And he will work it out. But sometimes he has to do a pretty significant work in your life to get you there. Work out your salvation means letting his refiner's fire change us into his likeness in all things. So let's move on. Next verse, 14. He then says to them, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault. Well, aren't that interesting? The word there for arguing, Greek term, is actually one for murmuring. Do you murmur? Do you like people who murmur? Murmuring is what? Sorry, people talking on their breath. I can't really believe they said that. <laughs> Parent, parents, we know what murmuring is. We hear our kids do it sometimes, right? You go, I can't believe my mom. I can't believe my dad. All right. But we do the same thing, right? I can't, can't believe my friend's doing that. Jeez. You know, and we murmur towards God. <laughs> Oh, God, do you, 
get this vision on the road. My goodness, I've been here for four years. Is this ever going to happen? We continue. It's like, wait a second. Hello. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Why? So that you, before others, can have a witness to be blameless and pure, children of God without fault. Remember this when you're remembering. He is God and we're not. He is God and we're not. Rest in his sovereignty. Rest in his sovereignty. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I want to dig into this more deeply here in a second. But this whole idea of not complaining and arguing, realizing he is God and we're not, you need to take your focus and put it on something different if you're murmuring and arguing and complaining. Paul was telling that to these people in Philippi. There's dissension and complaining. You're probably arguing over something very petty in the church. Think of the great beauty of what God has done and what he's doing. What we look at determines what we see. What we look at determines what we see. I was reading this week about um, a pastor who had tremendous success in Nigeria. And thousands were coming to know Christ in one part of Nigeria. And he got transferred to the northern part of Nigeria that's more Muslim. And he had been laboring for years with no fruit. Same man, same country, same gospel, different results. But he wasn't arguing and murmuring and complaining. In fact, when you'd ask him, about his situation, you are such a great successful person here, and now look what's happening to you there. He says, no, he says, I was taught early on to keep my focus on Christ and not on um, the hardness of the Muslims. Do you have your sight set on the wrong thing, and is it causing you to murmur and argue and grumble? What you look at determines what you see. Paul acknowledges that we live in a crooked and depraved generation. It was true of him in the first century. It's true of us in this 21st century. We live in a crooked and depraved generation. But he's exhorting them because of the work of Christ and all that Christ has done and the beauty and the joy that we find in Christ. You need to then become like stars shining in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Stars do not shine in daylight. Are they out there? When do they shine? They shine best in darkness. The darker our world becomes, guess what? You and I have the chance to shine better as stars, shining stars, twinkling stars. Don't you love to go out in the country away from, away from the, sort of the, the light noise and, and the city lights, and you're like, wow, look at the stars. Look at the stars. I was out looking at the stars last week and I was thinking there's more stars out there in that universe than there are people on this planet. That's amazing. Or more people that have ever been on this planet. And that's the God I serve. But the beauty of the stars in the universe, twinkling, God and his sovereignty holding them in place. He's saying, you Christian believer who are working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you need to be like a star shining in the universe because you live in a very dark, depraved, and crooked world. So do not, do not get discouraged. 
when you see the people around you. The crooked phrase comes from the, the word that we get, the scoliosis of the spine, scolios. And depraved comes from more of somebody who legitimately uh, becomes crooked. All right? So it, whether it's people that don't know that they're crooked or people that choose to be crooked in life, you're around them. It's the world that's around us. It's fallen and dark. Don't get so caught up and like, oh, they live in a really bad place, really bad place. <laughs> you get caught up in being one of those stars, stars that shine in the universe. Uh, we didn't have cool Jedi camps when I was uh, in youth or in, uh, as a youth pastor. Uh, but I do remember one of my youth leaders, uh, when we started to see some really cool things happen in our youth group a number of years ago, he brought in a few sweatshirts for us to wear. You probably think they're corny sweatshirts now. I look back and think, yeah, they're pretty corny. What, uh, what Joe creates is pretty cool. But we had this sweatshirt, I remember some of us started to wear, and it simply said, time to shine. And the time to shine came from this verse that we are to shine like stars. When you walk onto your middle school campus, your high school campus students, do not be discouraged by those who are around you that aren't living for Christ. You stay the course. You shine like stars in the universe. People will be attracted to you and your beauty. You know, a few years ago, um, when Mother Teresa was still alive, uh, she spoke uh, at a meeting. I can't remember if it was a prayer breakfast or some gathering of politicians. And on the stage, uh, it was during the Clinton administration, on the stage were the president and the presidents uh, and the vice president and their spouses. And Mother Teresa stood up to speak. And she spoke on a subject that was dropped dead silence. Subject of sanctity of life. When she was done, crippled old lady, right? But she's lived her whole life giving to the poor, helping people die. You read about Mother Teresa. Some of you don't know about her much anymore because it's now sort of getting generation past. But Mother Teresa lived out the life of Jesus. And she gave this message, standing ovation at the end. Everybody's standing. Except the president, vice president, and spouses. Because it was contrary to some of their policy directions, whatever it may be. After that meeting, there was a guy by the name of Philip Yancey. Some of you know him as an author. He had been interviewing uh, President Clinton, and he was in the limousine, and he was finishing up his interview uh, with the president. And right before he got ready to leave, he said, uh, President Clinton, he said, what, what did you think about Mother Teresa's message? And, um, you know, he... He didn't negate it by any means. He just came back with a solid and um, straightforward answer. He says, well, it's very difficult to live. It's very difficult to argue with a life so beautifully lived. It's very difficult to argue with a life so beautifully lived. Shining like stars in the universe. Do you live a beautiful life? that it's hard for other people to argue with. That's the life God calls us to. That's what Paul's saying here. In the midst of trials and temptations, against murmurings and struggles here and there, live out this beautiful life that's hard to argue with because you are shining as stars to hold out the word of life, the word of hope into our universe. 
in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Paul was laboring to see believers become shining stars. It's time to shine in your life, in mine, in places that you and I can't go, someone else can go. We need one another to shine like all the millions of stars in the universe because this is a crooked and depraved generation that needs to see the word of life held out in front of them by your life. Same thing as it says in Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Some of you may have come across this issue this week. They call it Christian shaming now. Some things were spoken in media worlds that said that the Vice President Pence um, was basically possibly uh, had mental illness because it's all right to talk to Jesus, but to think that Jesus talks to you, that's on the edge. Did you hear about that this week? Tony Dungy on the right, he took some hits because at the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, and I was watching it when he did this, he was talking about Nick Foles, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles for the Super Bowl game, and he referenced just in passing in common language that he had been conversing with uh, Nick Foles that week, and he, he said Nick really believes that God has a purpose for him, being the backup guy that took the main guy's place, and he was going to use it, and he finds strength in his faith. Tony Dungy, solid believer, he took Big time hits for that. Well, don't be bringing your Christian stuff into, into the Super Bowl broadcast. And of course, Tim Tebow in the middle, we're very familiar with Tim, him trying to be able to live out his, his faith. And they, these guys don't do it in ugly ways, but it's in our culture now. You can't do that. Funny thing is, I just am always, it, 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 excuse me, excuse me, the word ignorance. People are ignorant. Nobody is religionless. The moment you say, keep that stuff out of the public square, you are now imposing your religion on me. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Because you are either someone who believes in the supernatural and that God is there, or you're someone who does not, and you're going to be going one of those two directions when you try to influence other people. But in Christian shaming, maybe you're being Christian shamed in your world, you stop holding back. You don't need to be an ugly Christian. Be a beautiful Christian by your life and shine forth the life of Christ. What fears do you have in being a witness for Christ and owning a lifestyle of evangelism? Time to shine for Jesus Christ and his gospel. I'm going to leave it there, and I want to invite three men up as we close. We're going to pray for these three men. These three men are going on a journey this week. And uh, they're able to reach some people I could never reach. And most of you can never reach in here. I'm going to invite Joe Yarbrough and Ozzy and Justin to come up. These three men are a part of our church body. And they have a band. Some of you know about the band. Yeah. Zach, can you grab those stools over there? Have a seat, because we're going to pray over you. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did? 
and Andy. Oh, I didn't know you were going, Andy. That's great. Oh, you're taking all the picture stuff. You're good. You're good. All right. We got another song to do here to close out. Joe wants to make sure he gets to that last song, I know. So now you're on the clock. Joe's going to share about what culture is, and he's going to share what he's doing. I don't know if Ozzy wants to pipe in or these guys are not, but we're sending them out as missionaries this week. Well, uh, I'm really excited to um, do. I'm nervous, but very excited. Uh, culture is something that um, Ozzy and I started uh, almost four years, five years ago almost. I met Ozzy at a bonfire, at a Bible study, and we bonded over the same, same bands that kind of helped us through really rough times and invited me to his bedroom, um, which sounds weird, <laughs> and said, hey, you want to come to my bedroom and play some guitar? And I went, does that mean something on your side of the lake? Because on my side of Lake Elsinore, that means something different. Um, but from there, we, we started writing music, and um, it was really awesome to just uh, to relate with someone and have a brother through music, you know, someone that got you. And although me and Ozzy walked um, completely different paths, the feelings and the pains were the same. And we noticed a lot of our friends and family were like that. And we were lucky enough that God saved our lives in different ways, but in the same way that we knew him. And we realized so many people relied on this music to be their savior. And we took a huge leap of faith and uh, decided to make this a band. And Oz, Oz and I uh, packed up and uh, I moved to Sacramento and took a ministry position out there. And Ozzy, a few months later, called me and said, hey, God's telling me that this is something. I'm going to move to Sacramento. And just packed up his life and moved. And since then, we've been doing this. And uh, we really have a heart just for helping people find an identity in something greater than what this world has to offer. And if it, through this music that we, we find a lot of passion and a lot of release in, uh, we start to find God more in it every day. And, um, man, God keeps blessing us in ways that just uh, is overwhelming, you know. Um, I mean, was it Friday? Friday? We put our, our record out. Um, and we have copies of it for anyone here that w wants them. And it's, uh, it's really cool. And uh, we're very excited about it. But, um, man, it really was exciting because, like, we were called up at midnight. And they told us that, hey, you guys, uh, you guys are top 200 on the iTunes charts. It's been out for nine hours. <laughs> and we were like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> I called my grandma and said, Mama, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I, Ozzy probably has more more to say about it than I do because I just love uh, you know every day. It's nerve wracking being up here. It's easy to sing songs about how great God is, but it's really hard to sing songs about how bad you are and how much you need Him because it's scary. And uh, every day we go out there and do it, and every day He has to calm me down and we pray. And it's our first time doing it back to back to back, and it's fun to do it in front of you guys because it's you know if, even if we did it here, it's like well, there's our family; they have to love us, you know. Yeah. We got to go all the way up to the farthest we're going to Seattle. We don't know them. They're just going to judge us, you know. Be like that's crazy, but it's something that's really awesome. So um, they're leaving on a tour this week for. Yeah, it started yesterday. We had our EP release show, and then um, was it Santa Ana. You were Santa Ana yesterday. Yeah. So you had a show last night. Last night we have one tonight, yeah. and then uh, we have uh, we leave tomorrow to Vegas. We start Vegas, and uh, that was pretty 
Pretty exciting. And then you're working your way up all the way to Seattle. So we go Vegas, Fresno, Portland, Seattle, Medford, Oregon, San Francisco, and then we come on home after that. So a lot of driving in a car with this is half the men I feel like, so this is gonna be crowded. <laughs> and so uh yeah. Ozzy, your thoughts? Oh. Well uh <coughs> I don't know. Um so Culture is, you know, I feel like culture is definitely mine and Joe's bastard child. And uh, I, I love it, you know, and I, I remember it means so much to me because it's the one place I can, I can call home. You know, I never, you know, felt like uh, I belonged really anywhere. And culture has really kind of provided that for me. And I remember when... I was praying, and you know, I, I, you were just talking about how, you know, it's crazy. Some people think it's crazy when Jesus talks back, you know. And uh, I remember when when Jesus told me, like, no, you need to help with this. You need to do this, and and um, and I had no idea it was going to turn turn out like this. And it's not even that successful, but it's really helped people. And um, one of the main people it's helped is uh, the person sitting to my right, right here, Justin. And um, I love it when it helps people. And it makes me feel like, man, this is my calling to help people in any way I can. And uh, having a brother to do that with is one of the big, biggest blessings I've ever gotten. So even though we're going to be going far away, and next time it's probably going to be farther away, and the time after that farther away, um, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm home no matter where I'm at when I'm with these people and when I'm with God because God is everywhere, right? Nobody can separate um, us from his love. And uh, that's where I find God's love is everywhere. Amen. I think if uh, we had time for each of these to unpack their stories, you would see the beauty, the beautiful life that they're living in the midst of a culture that uh, speaks loudly. Uh, there was a big magazine article, I think, this last week that was posted on Facebook and stuff like that or Instagram, that kind of thing. And, and right in the middle of it are these guys giving a solid witness for Jesus Christ in the midst of their music, which is crossover music. Trust me, if you get their album or you download a song, it's going to be a little edgy. <laughs> Some of the songs are deceptive. So they start out mellow, but then they get really edgy, right? <laughs> but they're... They're singing about pain issues, and it's identifying with this culture. And um, I want us to pray over them, and then we're going to close with a worship song. But um, God has given them a vision in the bedroom. And now, <laughs> and now God's given some expansive efforts. Just messing with you guys. <laughs> but the um, prayers that we need to pray over them are not just prayers of blessing. And some of you know us around here. We need to be praying prayers of protection. These guys do great with a show. You imagine, picture Joe out front leading this type of rock stuff. I mean, but I want to pray protection over them because the adversary 
wants to submarine some things. And the people they're working with, I believe, have spiritual strongholds, some of them as well. And we need to pray a blessing, but pray protection and empowerment over their lives. And it's not the music as much as that it's behind the com- scene conversations and interactions. Because, hey, I did this and that. Um, it's crossover kind of music. You're also, they actually put it on the Christian side of things, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. And you were telling me the other day if you had 400 more, what was that? 500 more we need to begin to cap five. Yeah, 500 more albums or CDs that they sell. They're in the top five for a Christian on the, what is it called, the Billboard? Billboard charts, Billboard charts all right? I'm like, wow, that's sort of amazing. And uh, don't worry, they're committed here. That's part of their witness and their story is that they are in local ministry doing God's work. But we're releasing them this week to be sent out as missionaries to shine like stars in the universe. And it's very difficult to argue with a life so beautifully lived. And that's what they're going to be doing with the students and the young adults and adults that uh, migrate to their music. So with that, uh, will you just extend your hands, and I'm going to pray.